0: Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Hello, welcome to the 85th episode of the OpVac Cast. This time, uh. uh, We're having an intimate episode. Uh, I'm Sean Glennis, as you may know, and I'm here with Jack Eason. How are you doing, Jack? I'm doing pretty good, Sean. So this is um, the second episode of our usual horror October routine thing where um, uh, you guys inaugurate me into uh a different horror auteur um we just did an episode uh i did an episode with adam and steve with uh or on toby hooper um and now we are going to cover kiyoshi kurosawa we're a little short-handed tonight just because of scheduling but that's okay um So I had just, I had never, I had never seen any of Kiyoshi Kurosawa's movies before. And like, I kind of had just like put it off, um, which is kind of my way of doing things is like, I'll just put it off until I'm interested and like even buying stuff. Like if I'm not interested in a director yet, I don't even buy their shit. If it's like on sale or whatever, I just kind of just like, I just act like they don't exist. And then when I'm interested in them and want to dive in, then I kind of do things. But uh, So, very segmented. But you had been... um, You're familiar with his work. Hello?
1: Oh, sorry. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) sorry. I was speaking on mute there for a second because the button didn't work. We've already had technical issues. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, I'd seen about uh, four or five of his films prior to this. So... um, yeah, um somewhat familiar, but honestly he is prolific, so there's there's a lot of ground yeah. you could still cover. This guy is uh he's a workhorse.
0: <laughs> yeah, and um I I watched uh, a bit more than usual for this. I watched nine of his horror films and then I watched um the Seventh Code, which isn't a horror film, but um so I still haven't seen any of his dramas, which doesn't matter for tonight's episode. Um and I think you watched a good amount too. Yeah, um, I
1: don't have an exact count, but yeah, close, close yeah. to that. I don't even know what Seventh Code is. Uh, it's not. It's not a horror movie. I don't know what it is. But yeah, I don't know. Kind of, kind of amusing.
0: <laughs> an episode of something. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, obviously the big ones are are Cure and Pulse. Those are sort of like his huge, uh, very, very popular movies. And um, I. Had those on my radar for a while, but uh, I was kind of surprised by a couple that snuck up uh, on me and and I I thought were outstanding. But I didn't really either either I hadn't heard of or just hadn't heard people really talk that highly about. But um, uh, I think the earliest one that I watched was Sweet Home, which uh, is... A very interesting movie in 1989 um and we we don't have to go through everything plot by plot but uh, sure um it is interesting that uh we just did this episode on toby hooper and um there's some connection with sweet home i can't remember but um yeah i don't know know
1: i'm not sure of a specific connection i know kurosawa actually has said that toby hooper was a is something of an influence on him um, but I know Sweet Home was, you know, I, the the film was produced with a video game alongside it, which That's... became a, kind of the is seen now as the probably the founding pillar of the survival horror genre series. Okay, okay. So, and I, I don't know if Hooper has any particular connection there, but, I mean, it kind of... Uh, way league, I guess, it led to a kind of a, a meeting of East and Western horror. I mean, Resident Evil was nominally sure. supposed to be a remake of Sweet Home, but they lost the rights, oh. so, they, so they made something that was functionally very, very similar, <laughs> but not so similar as to trample over those rights and, obviously the rest is history so the, it's it yeah and it's, it's a very the film and the game i think <laughs> that the game is better reviewed than the film probably for semi-obvious reasons although the film is it's not a terrible film it's, it's very one that you film. really
0: want to be able to see a good copy of which yes. doesn't exist i don't no. think but um but it's also similar to, to hooper in in that um it had this weird production um I, I guess uh, specifically kind of similar to uh, Poltergeist um, in that uh, this is more of a film by... Um, it's, it's considered... Uh, what's it, what was his name? Jizuotami. Jiro... Yeah, yes, Jizuotami. And um, he... Who acts in the film, but he was uh, sort of like the populist Japanese filmmaker at the time. Like just very, very popular figure and uh made entertaining films and um you might have seen *Tempo*.po um and it's been kind of said that uh he he actually directed this and kursauer didn't kursauer wasn't very known um, which obviously has some similarities to poltergeist where uh i mean toby hooper i think was known at the time but you know you have spielberg this huge figure at that time, um, who kind of ghost directed it, so says the lore. But uh, so uh, yeah, there's yeah.
1: there's much argument about the extent, and I I would imagine honestly, Sweet Home, a there might be similar arguments. I don't know. It's it's curious. It certainly doesn't look like a lot of Kurosawa's other films, but I think part no. of that is because it also has a budget. It I like the special. I mean, this is a it had special effects by Dick Smith, you know, of The Godfather. Mm-hmm and the exorcist i mean he's like a the the legendary special makeup effects guy so you know and the special effects in the film are really pretty impressive so it's a theme park yeah like adaptation he kind of yeah and and it's yeah it doesn't not to
0: not to jump into discourse that's oh no 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 No. the whole martin scorsese coppola (laughs) marvel
1: discussion we can leave that to the side um if nothing else at least sweet home isn't taking all the cinema screens and making billions of dollars. No. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's a strange film in that it doesn't look like what we come to kind of understand as a Kurosawa film. But I, I also wonder if maybe a little part of that certainly i think Otami's uh, brand is on this pretty heavily but also just it's it's budget is i think different to mm-hmm. Curacao, anything Kurosawa would approach for decades nearly after this um he moved from that film really into the the v cinema circuit into you know your direct to video films which are notoriously low budget quick production so right. these kind of special effects are unheard of they don't really have monsters yeah. and stuff in those
0: yeah, and when I guess I shouldn't say theme park, but it's kind of like a haunted mansion, like a Japanese haunted mansion or something. But but yeah, um, when you talk about the budget of his later works, um, his later works are sparse, and it adds to this quality of loneliness. Like it, like mm. his budgets work for him very well uh, for his material. It, you know, obviously there are some complex things done in in Pulse, um, but. Uh, and effects otherwise but uh f- throughout his career but you know there's this this a lot of the stuff is shot in rooms and with one or two actors and yeah i just, think uh,
1: i think a primary special effect in a lot of kurosawa's best uh cinema is honestly his location scouting he's got oh sure people yeah. who can just find lots in japan in tokyo that look like they've never been occupied by humans And then burning,
0: like, a a burning part of the wall. Yeah, yeah, pretty much.
1: Yeah, he he has a skill that they, like so many of his films, have, you know, buildings that look like they were built, clearly, by humans, because they had to have been, but then that no one occupied them subsequently um, within, you know, the teeming metropolis of Tokyo, and it gives a very strange settle. You know, we'll talk about it as we go through these films, but you almost get the sense that no one lives in Japan.
0: (laughs) Right, right, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, what, besides the ones that you had seen before, you had seen Cure and Pulse before, um, but what jumped out at you from the others that you hadn't seen that really surprised you?
1: Let me see. Uh I I mean, I guess I suppose what, what really struck me is how he approaches multiple character kind of characters uh, or kind of multiple storylines from different directions. His films have a huge amount of overlap but also a very distinct each film is a yeah. surprisingly distinctive Which I think is really an interesting characteristic and very interesting considering the fact that he produces films, you know, year on year, sometimes multiple films in a year. He's not quite on the like Takashi Miike scale of productivity, but he is even now, you know, producing routinely two films a year. Um, which is, you know, unusual uh, mm-hmm. for any director, and he's he's doing it with theatrically distributed films. He's, you know, he's moved outside of the video circuit. So yeah, I, I think that's an interesting element of the to, to his films is that, you know, I feel like you can jump into Kurosawa's work, his horror work particularly, almost anywhere because you're really you're just kind of entering the same room yeah. from a different door. yeah,
0: yeah for sure yeah and I saw a lot of people like uh, or I saw some comments that say like oh this film pairs with this film and this pa- this film pa- pairs with this one and, and it's um it works well in many different ways based on one film but like you have something like seance which um, I thought was fantastic um and you have like which is this uh, academy ratio I think it was shot for TV uh, movie about um uh, it it's an adaptation and uh and it's about this guy who's like a foley artist i think and um mm-hmm. he ends up accidentally with this kidnapped girl like she was kidnapped and runs away and and ends up in his his hand him and his wife's hands and uh it's it's very good but it touches on a lot of themes that creepy does but in much different ways and creepy is like this you know this 2.35 film that um is a bit more playful and then you have something like Doppelganger, um, which I, I, it touches on similar themes as well, but it's just like extremely playful and like you know he's playing around with um, tone there um, and the idea of, of of two two parts of the same person, like this this idea of identity, I guess Japanese identity at this point. But um, he's being so um, he he's just a uh, you know it's not. Hong Sang Soo, who is making the same, like, same tone of movie every time out, which isn't I'm, not a, a derisive comment, but you know sure. what I mean. But like, he's prolific, but with each one, he can talk about the same thing. But like you said, coming at it from a different place. But even, even um, with just. What's the word? He's, he's being very imaginative in, in terms of what he can do narratively. Uh, uh, did you see Doppelganger?
1: I have not. I, no, know, didn't get to Doppelganger. That I think I'll I'll throw on later. That was, is it? Do, no, it's Deguerre is the French one, which I've yeah, also not got I can, to. Yeah. But yeah, and he sees travel, I mean, which, which is unusual. So um, that's kind of an interesting thing. But yeah, it, it is interesting that, I mean, Creepy, I think, is... Honestly, you talk about it being a reconfiguring of, you know, seance or or doppelganger, but it's also a kind of a, a successor to cure. <laughs> it it mm. plays with a lot of similar similar ideas of that of of a kind of a a larger responsibility for crimes, a kind of a social perspective on criminality mm-hmm. and shared burden and guilt. Um. So yeah, it and that's why I think it is. It's kind of an unusual. He's an unusual director that if someone says, you know where should you start with Kurosawa? I mean, I'd probably just go with Cure because it was the breakthrough. I think it's where most of us started with his work. Certainly, you know, for in the West, that was really the film that kind of broke, broke him through. But honestly, there'd be no... There's no problem with yeah. starting with, you know, <laughs> one creepy, of at least I, I 10 others. Was,
0: I thought Creepy was a really good entry point. I, like, for me, and if you're if you're a listener who is kind of daunted by like, oh, Cure's a masterpiece, like, you kind of... I, I tend to put those off. Like, I've seen uh there are there are filmmakers where i've seen you know more than 10 of their works but still haven't seen like one of their masterpieces quote-unquote because it's just like i don't know it's a weird thing where it's nicer like kurosawa has so many movies that have like that don't have this um anticipation built in and you could just get into it and, and really enjoy it i thought like retribution was one that um, I thought it was awesome, and like it's like oh, people don't talk about this movie, but it it's I liked it as I liked it more than Pulse even.
1: Really, yeah, yeah. And, I think I think I certainly I would I would categorize I think Retribution as a a top drawer Kurosawa, but you're right there, you know there's you can stay away from the very obvious ones and still you know find that entry way in. I think some of his work has suffered a little bit from in its distribution in the West. Uh, too many of his films are kind of consigned to. Ten, fifteen plus year old DVDs, which is a little frustrating Mm because he tends to work in a very muted, grey palette. Because we're talking about you know urban decay, (laughs) um. So you know a lot of a lot of muted earth tone palettes, which DVDs were not very good at capturing with all the other image compression. So I feel like in some ways it's easier to go to things like the big titles, the big ticket ones like, uh, you know, Pulse and Cure, because they mm-hmm. have graduated Blue to Rays, HD, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, other than that... Creepy I, as well. Creepy as well, definitely. And and Creepy's a little... He, he has, I, I think there's a shift in his visual tone a little bit as well, which mm-hmm. is also kind of nice, you know, that kind of, I think, from Retribution felt like maybe a closing point, um, that he moved on from Retribution into more... You know, dramas like Tokyo Sonata and things, which had, you know, kind of a more, a a more everyday quotidian kind of, you know, suddenly Tokyo Tokyo had people living in it um you know, and kind of like groups of people and traffic and regular furnishings and stuff like that, which carries to, which makes Cure again interesting. And that Cure kind of is, or it's not Cure, creepy is kind of a mixture of those two things, in that it yeah, kind of it okay. kind of marries those two Indian isolation versus a, a kind of living city, but yeah, um, it's really interesting, um, the way that he works and the way that his his films are almost all anomaly genre films and, you know, very recognizably Mm -hmm. married to their genre, even as he moves into drama, like uh, Tokyo Sonata, for example, which is probably one of his most acclaimed dramatic films. um, It's still a very, you know, kind of workable, everyday salaryman drama. Um, You know, but, but each of his films then are stamped with something unusual something that he's he's working with and you know which brings us you know to very unusual results like a uh, loft for example which honestly <laughs> i you know was a film that for the first hour i thought was just kind of like a slow ghost story and then it just morphed into about three different kinds of films. very weird movie. A very very strange <laughs> his film. movie yeah among other things and that that's one honestly i'm kind of like i just need to watch that again because you know it's he does this a few places in his films honestly where they where they Switch Pulse probably most famously and most notably, um, you know, where where you kind of they they're noticeably married to, to a genre in the marketing and in the structure, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he won't change to another notable genre somewhere in the middle. Like Pulse becomes an apocalyptic film, um, oh yeah, which,
0: Doppelganger which, becomes a comedy.
1: No, so, there you go, you know, and and why not? And he, and he can he can manage those sh- those tonal shifts very well because I think he's. It it's a difficult directorial style to talk about in in one sense he is a very direct kind of uh, unadorned visual style he's talked about you know influence from Ozu and he certainly it's not immediately equivalent to Ozu he he allows himself more um mm-hmm. more instruments than Ozu tended to use but there's still that you know very direct kind of instantaneous capturing of each thing which i think maybe came from his his uh, v cinema days to some degree that there was you know an element of working quick you know and letting you know if you find the right location you don't need a lot of the other you know the other elements now you know which doesn't preclude some very innovative you know angles and shots he does he does mix things up but there's this just wonderful like underlying control to his yeah, work, yeah. that and, and it really carries through all of his films and kind of marries them all really well, even as they do jolt around.
0: Right, right. I, I, I was fascinated by like watching these in such quick succession. Um, just because I, I, I just started to eat it up. It's kind of a great another. way to do
1: it, honestly. It if is. you have the time, you know, he is he's one of those directors that it's it is kind of nice to just take like a week or two and just watch a different film each night and just see. Like I say, it, it's kind of like maybe it's not always entering the same room. Maybe it's just like walking around, and there's different windows, and each one is like a different perspective right. on the sim, on a similar scene. And it's yeah, it, it's it's surprising. It's much more refreshing than you would think. The you know repetition right. monotony doesn't really set in.
0: Right, and because he he takes these different uh, approaches, they don't always like. A lot of times when I do that with great filmmakers even they tend to blend together in my mind but one of the things i really appreciated about doing that is like you were were talking about the the uh, location his quick uh work uh method is like he does a lot of these master shots um and they're long takes but um and, and it sounds kind of maybe sophomore to say but they don't feel like like there is a attention built into them and uh and you get used to like seeing the same setup which is uh like a table uh dining room table small and lamps he like is always framing these over these these hanging lamps um so it's and it's not as low as osu uh it's not as it's not as uh the the geometry is different like you said he takes different angles um and yeah, I don't know. You get used to it, and it, and it is weird to think like about these as especially as foreigners as movies that take place in urban environments because it is so sparsely populated. Hmm.
1: Yeah, and I I suppose it's a recurring theme through a lot of these films, his horror films particularly, because I mean they're horror films and thrillers, but you know the underlying the underlying theme of most of them is a kind of a urban decay and alienation. Um, as much as a lot of directors tackle that, I suppose, you know, his films, his ghost films are, they're, the ghosts often are, they're not vengeful, they're not enemies, they're just fragments of, of human experience that kind of dwell on, that impact the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a change from your, your typical horror movie where there's an adversary to be overcome his films don't really work in that mode, you know, even as much like a lot of J-horror incorporates vengeful ghosts and, you know, maybe they can't be overcome, which I think is one of the, the interesting kind of, uh, what we say, oppositions between maybe Japanese horror and uh, the folklore that underpins it versus a lot of Western horror and particularly Hollywood horror where, you know, you have an idea of a, a hero. And an antagonist and there's a battle and the hero wins, you know, up to including supernatural entities and curses you know, the, the a spell will be broken um, J-horror, J you know, often the ghost is not, it can't be bargained with, it can't be overcome and that's kind of a, a recurring element in a lot of Japanese horror cinema. Kurosawa even brings it back a little further to the ghost not even being particularly evil or you know they're like they're just sort of there and it's it it brings it brings to focus kind of a sense of there aren't any there's no one in his cities in a lot of these films in cure in pulse like the people in pulse people are yeah in retribution in impulse the people are literally disappearing out of the cinema or, <laughs> out, or out of the city rather you know the, right, the people right. who would live there are just just vaporizing and going away and it's sort of like Rather than a it, it, he, he brings in the conception of a city and its memories and echoes through the ghosts that populated that each of these areas has no one there now, but it has this kind of memory of things through the and ghosts. That's,
0: I think uh, Retribution works so well on, as uh, oh, yeah example of that, where, uh, and, and I think one of the reasons why I also like, besides the fact that I think it is um, emotionally uh, potent, um, is that it also has uh, this great pulpy story about this detective who, um, you know, this, this uh, young woman has died and he is trying to figure out the case. And then um, all these clues start making it look as if the detective killed her. And then that girl's ghost turns into like his ghost like starts haunting him. And it, and then there's also this, this stuff about that. He's remembering um, of, the place where she died in in this weird industrial vacant like yeah uh, abandoned lot building thing he's like remembering a time when he was younger uh and he like saw something on the window uh, i think he saw a woman in yeah an, they, an they all building. took
1: yeah, I mean, it was the, the weird idea that the, the link between all these, these murders is that they all used to take the same boat to work every day and they would pass an asylum and they, and he saw this woman through the window. Yeah. And yeah, it, you know, it's kind of these shared experiences. And, you know, retribution is interesting again in that, that urban conception that it's a shared experience that people weren't even really conscious of sharing. They're all strangers on the boat just commuting. But they mm-hmm. there was some kind of a shared kinship. And I, you know that's kind of how he works in this this diffuse relationship between characters, and they're often they're not so much you know, he doesn't really work in this mode of of you know each character being like a stand-in for you know X Y or Z you know social or religious idea you know it's not like a Tarkovsky stalker or something where each person mm-hmm. has a specific cipher for a profession or a social a class or a political idea, um it's just sort of this, this, just a general sense of that every the city is kind of everyone's in the city and everyone's participating in it and they don't they're not really conscious of it and these films are about how all these events coalesce how he unifies things in ways we might not consider them to you know join together and it's it's a surprisingly natural concept um and retribution has that with the and again to cure and creepy to a degree like these crimes the idea of crimes that are being committed where there's kind of a fulcrum there's a, a, there's there's a criminal present but they don't commit the crimes themselves in many cases they influence others they they drive it or or the people who commit the crimes don't recall committing the crimes they don't have a yeah. they they don't have a motive to commit a crime which is you mm. know so so yeah, and it it just creates this kind of. I just really like the way that he he examines society through this very unusual lens, and like I say, there's so many different perspectives he can take into that.
0: Well, and I think that what goes along with that lack of motive, uh, in creepy, I had read a review uh, after I watched it that talked about how, it, it gets creepier the more you know, which is antithetical to how a lot of horror films work where you know the creepiness is the unknown before you know what's going on and then there's eventually the reveal and which is usually like this hammer of of um whatever torture and violence or whatever but um in creepy like the more that is revealed the creepier it gets um which is very very strange
1: that's and that's a really a really salient observation honestly it's it's it is an unusual kind of almost upside down structure, um, mm-hmm. and again, Cre- and creepy is a film that's about nominally kind of a shared responsibility for the you know the we have this we have an evil actor in the film just like we had in Cure, but the crimes become almost a social burden rather than you know they're not the product of one evil guy who we can dispatch. You know, and that even becomes in the finale of Cure, which, you know, actually kind of reminds me a little bit of like Bresson. There's actually a few points in Cure that remind (laughs) me of Bresson, just this kind of um, sort of just uh, the the camera just sits and watches an action unfold. And we kind of know what's going to unfold, but it's just watching it unfold in real time. Without any kind of intermediary, there's no commentary, there's no dialogue shaping it. It's just people, you know, kind of acting their immediate impulses mm-hmm. on screen, right? Right. Um, and and that and that ends up with the 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 our hero dispatches the villain in cure, and we realize that honestly, enough that, You know, it's not cathartic in the least. It doesn't solve anything because right. it's a larger problem. And yeah, you know, these are these are the elements. There, there's just a lot of. I'm just kind of continually fascinated by how he manages to circle around and re- you know kind of re-examine these ideas over and over again. and that creepy does become like kind of a more I guess kind of a even maybe kind of a semi Freudian conception of guilt, you know and how yeah. we how we each share burdens of guilt through what we know and what we do. You know, that that it's a film about people not, inter, you know, kind of lending help here and there or not sharing in other places and kind of accepting different roles within something that maybe we should all be trying to prevent. Whereas Cure has this, you know, a specific subconscious element of, uh, I mean, it's about hypnotism, about Mm -hmm. people forgetting themselves, about being driven by unknown impulses. You know, I suppose they're they're flip sides, they're... they unify in certain levels but they're very different films like you say creepy is a much more right. playful film playful yeah. maybe not the right word it's it's a pretty dark <laughs> film but a much more it, it's a much more uh how would you say kind of like lively film i guess in its own way it's,
0: yeah uh it, it maybe it has certain tropes that are more recognizable i don't know or i I don't know what the way to put it but i guess it's rooted in domestication like domesticity which um is important uh in terms of its just its tone and and structure but also it's got this um this conclusion that is kind of haunting on a on a personal level um and that so like you were kind of talking about like the way he's commenting on um, living in japan at this moment and but also there, like be- this and seance both have like these pretty strong ideas or or feelings expressed about uh living in a home with someone else and that not really being like a great place like there's this great moment in um in seance that really stands out amongst his his filmography of the wife just being like this is this is all that we have like we just live together and just keep living together and getting older and life gets worse and that's it it's very ozu like in those <laughs> moments and they break completely from genre
1: yeah i and, and that's something that i think unifies an uh, in interesting fashion kind of unifies with say like tokyo sonata which is a straight drama but like kind of a middle class family okay. drama and then seance it, like seance is interesting to me in the way that um the big change that he makes it's a it's an adaptation of seance in a wet afternoon that's right that's Um, right. so it's it, and in that novel that's about basically a woman who's pretending to be a a, a psychic and you know she's leveraging mm-hmm. it for money and she basically stages a kidnapping so that she can kind of use since she has kidnapped a girl she can find the girl very easily using her quote unquote psychic powers and she it's a marketing tool effectively and they don't mean any harm but of course the all goes horribly wrong but it's it's basically a uh what we say like a fraud um Is Curacao, that British? Yeah, I believe it was a British novel. Yeah, and there it was a film in the 60s mm-hmm, and with Richard mm-hmm. Attenborough and, in it. Um Kurosawa changes like has a kind of a very fundamental change to the film, I guess, two, in in a sense. As far as I'm aware, the first fundamental change is that he actually makes the supernatural real, which changes it because she is a psychic at this point. The the woman actually is a psychic and. Uh, secondly, I suppose that they they do not purposely kidnap the girl. At least not at first. They accidentally come into possession of a kidnapped girl through a through a, a kind of unfortunate coincidence. And then they realize once they have her, since psychic prediction is viewed with great skepticism, they decide they won't return her immediately. They will meet it out to allow her to, because she did find the girl using her psychic powers, even though the girl happened to be in her garage at this point. Um, mm-hmm, but right. so, so it kind of, it, she, she, you know, reframes it innocently originally to try and, and, you know, again, leverage a, an economic result. And it, what it does is it foregrounds exactly that, that there's an economic development to, to this horror film about her, Basically she's unable to work because she's haunted by ghosts, literally. It just makes it it's difficult for her to operate in in any kind of a work environment. And her husband works very hard to support them in this kind of, as you say, a meager kind of a you know working class environment. They've got like, you know, it's a nice house, but it's nothing special. And she just really wants to take some of the pressure off him, and she could do that if she could, you know, legitimise her psychic business, and she is legitimately psychic. Um, so there's an economic anxiety to this, even among, you know, a kind of a supernatural milieu, which is, it's foregrounded the film, which isn't really found in any of his other films. And um, I guess Creepy has some elements of that, but it's, I, I mean, Creepy is unusual in that we have a, a villain who kind of is parasitic. He kind of moves through society, siphoning funds off everyone, and... Um, but yeah it's sort of as i say just it kind of it rotates around these similar elements and i guess creepy is is similar in other ways because by the end of the film it starts with a with a family an unmarried or mm-hmm. a married couple childless they have a dog um and by the end of it they they've kind of acquired a new family unit they've kind of acquired a daughter uh, and eradicated a father <laughs> you know it's, it's yeah, a, yeah. there's a strange restructuring of of it's almost like uh you know to to quote a stranger things it's almost like you know korea and the uh, upside down you know it's sort of <laughs> there's a sort of a, a a kinship but a completely different mode of operation
0: right um so did you did you get a chance to well oh well there's there's one thing um that I wanted to say that's kind of an aside that's talking about um seance you're talking about the uh the the once kidnapped girl who's like found in the uh, basement um and or not in the basement the garage mm-hmm. in a trunk and uh, I, I i was reading this book um about kurosawa that's pretty bad um it i read a good chunk of it it's like a film by film analysis um and it has some interesting info in it like just production stuff and, and some decent readings but a lot of it was just written like a uh, like a arts blog post, you know, a lot of like style and or like unnecessary, comp like off the cuff colloquialisms that was just like <laughs> this. This is not a blog. This is a published book. But um, anyway, uh,
1: <clears throat> I feel like a lot of Japanese cinema of that era. I think there was there was an overlap there that a lot of people hmm. that was I, I feel like criticism for that a lot of it came through the online so possibly sure. possibly filtered through that process
0: yeah maybe 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 he had a blog and somebody liked it enough and published it but um uh he talked about i think it was there that i read that um that is a bit sloppy in curacao gets a bit sloppy in terms of what needs to happen in order for that girl to get there like the trunk which is something that did bother me slightly watching it but it's one of those easily forgivable things for me where you know he he's he's recording out in the woods and he leaves his trunk there and a girl gets in it and he picks up the trunk and loads it up yeah like you would obviously feel that there's a child now you
1: would yeah it's it's an empty trunk but something must have must something must have been in the trunk to be returned yeah something must be returned to the trunk and yet he just leaves it back i mean yeah it's an enormous coincidence it's certainly narratively messy um, but I, I feel like then again, like, Kurosawa's not, he's, uh, I think he's a tight in terms of his directorial style, in his kind of his commanding, commanding of tone. Story-wise, he's not particularly rigorous. No. Um you know cuz he does he doesn't really need to be it's it's not like his films are full of glaring plot holes or anything but they're very sparse in terms of their you know it's like it's five ingredients and it kind of and yeah. his his marriage of course to genre allows him to maintain a sparsity because we understand the overarching shape of most of the films he's making until we don't you know that like loft i thought i understood the overriding shape of that film until i realized i hadn't a clue what was yeah, going to happen yeah. next you know a uh, pulse similarly you know we understand we understand yeah. we're watching a ghost story and then suddenly it's like i don't understand this at all this has shifted immeasurably
0: you know it's another weird thing that i noticed um and i don't know If they were in enough that you watch. It was definitely in creepy doppelganger and uh I wanna say retribution, but maybe loft. But um he does these rear projection car shots. Did you notice these?
1: He does. Um actually I don't know if some of
0: them are silly. Uh yeah, it's it's an
1: interesting Thing and you know it's interesting you mention it because it's something I'm not 100 percent sure about either. There's a very curious effect to them in charisma, uh, which oh, I think is the one okay. that I most noticeably notice them in. Um, where there's almost like a, a there's a rear projection, but there's almost like a slow motion applied to it. It's it's very. You know, it's noticeably off, and I yeah, think that's, that's how it is Creepy. Yeah, too. and and it's true. Yes, the the final car ride they take in creepy. It's it's <laughs> almost like it's projected against like a twister or something. Yeah, but, yeah. um, but you know, it's not about the weather. It's very, very bizarre. Um. Yeah, and I'm not sure of the the intended effect. I almost reminds me of um. I you know it, when I think about this and you know rear projection is kind of like a. a Sort of a, a an ingredient of its age to some degree. You know, you're kind of just used to seeing it in certain films. The mm-hmm. tech got a lot better by the time we got to like the eighties and nineties, and became, I think, a lot less noticeable in the way they lit it. It became less prominent. But I was thinking of like uh Melville's *Ladulos*, uh, which is a phenomenal film, and uh, you know, it's one of those mm-hmm. you know, this kind of airtight films. Like it's just it, it's almost suffocatingly right the way that it, everything everything interlocks perfectly. Um, and the only thing that that drives me nuts in the film that takes it out is there's there's a few scenes where they ride in a car and there's this egregious you know sixties French rear projection out the, the, the back window which looks you know crazy and it, it's the only thing that you know in that normally wouldn't bother me but the rest of the film is so incredibly airtight that it's just you know kind of a reminder you're watching something people made yeah yeah um, it's
0: funny that's funny you say that because I, I I watched um. I watched Crisscross, another crime film, yesterday, mm-hmm. um, uh, from the for, like late forties noir, where, where rear projection was big for um, car rides and in, in, in cityscapes. But there's this very odd use of it. Uh, it did the same thing where it took me out. But um, uh, there there are two people, two characters are talking. Have you seen Crisscross? I have not. No. Two characters are talking in like a uh, corner store. And the door is open in the background, and, like, the city is used just in this door frame of rear projection, which is a really interesting use of it, but it doesn't line up to the sidewalk properly. <laughs> and it, so I just am staring at this, like, mismatched sidewalk to rear projection thing. Um, but, yeah, just
1: that's yeah. Weird. It, it's strange. And, you know, moving back to Kurosawa, it, it is uh, like, I suppose like something like creepy it, it, and maybe charisma as well. Um, you know, charisma is a very strange film. It's it, it maybe to me his, his strangest film. It's literally a thriller about a tree, um, which, you know, how does that even work? There's just a bunch, right. you know, it's, it's various factions debating over whether or not a tree needs to live or die. And it's like <laughs> literally an apocalyptic battle. And the tree just stands there like it's a tree, so uh, a very a very strange setup. Um, I suppose you know there may be a kind of a mythical element to his those car rides, particularly in mm-hmm. creepy in the finale and in in charisma. You know that they're they're traveling through some kind of a, a kind of nether realm or something. I you know I don't know, but it is. It's strange because I feel like it's not something I've noticed in other Japanese films of that kind. It's obviously, of. a pet that's yeah uh, uh,
0: very particular to him.
1: Yeah, and, I, and that's it. I like I think it is. It's done on purpose. They don't. They could do it better to, or you know, quote <laughs> right. unquote, better, so you wouldn't notice it. But he's yeah, he's he's twinging it just a little bit, and I'm you know I'm not a hundred percent sure why. There are certain elements throughout all of his films. I think they're you know kind of these odd kind of events and perspectives um i thinking particularly stuff like i uh, um, like Surf, serpents path and you know where which was one of the films he shot really really quickly where you know every so often the camera would just end up in a place you're not expecting it to be um, hmm. and you know and it's i guess it's a question again of like is it was this just kind of because he's moving fast and he just he's trying to you know, he he needs to capture it and this is just working, or is there a specific mm-hmm. ideology behind this shot? I'm not always hundred percent sure, but it's never you know, it's 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 never totally distracting and sometimes right. I think the the ambiguity and the uncertainty that plays into, you know, it, it fits the tone of the film larger, you know. Hmm. I suppose I, you know, I suppose all of his films are very you know surprisingly realist spaces are very concrete spaces but they they're also very unusual because you know as say look as he focuses on urban decay he focuses on uh dilapidated urban spaces so you know they all feel very real they probably to some extent are real i know like um I believe it was, uh, pulse and cure. I believe both of them, like they, they, they found building, you know, they were largely shot in real buildings in real spaces. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much set design was done or set decoration was done to play it up. I think they were just genuinely, uh, ill kept buildings. So, you know, it, it's kind of like they're, they're real, but they, they never feel a hundred percent real. Um, That's, and I, you know, yeah.
0: uh, you're talking about it that where, um, as like this unifying uh you know, tableau of, of his it's interesting to think about uh types, which you said you didn't see but um i would recommend it uh, because well you know it's him making a movie in france in yeah. like uh the countryside kind of and um the countryside the mil-
1: alone is a you know charisma is yeah. the only other one of his films i can think of in
0: a well, few sections yeah the the milieu is like so different it's like this wealthy it's this mansion um and this this like old guy who's a photographer um who has this like you know uh, uh, as the name suggests this old uh, technology and uh, his daughter is his model and uh he has this device to make sure that she can model for hours on end and and it's It's creepy, but in a very, very subtle way that it's used. It's not like um, it's it's not obvious like uh, you would expect from something. It's not this menacing object, but you know it's uncomfortable kind of thing. But anyway, it 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 just the fact that um, it is playing in this like sort of bourgeois um, area and people. I don't know. It's very interesting and and it feels so long it's 130 some minutes and it just if you feel all of it and it's not quite successful um, but at the same time i i can't help but just uh have a certain fondness for it and um i, I don't know i wonder what you would make of that yeah
1: yeah I'll, well i'll check it out certainly his films... and also
0: there's a good version of it available because it's fairly new
1: that's that does help yeah um yeah his films have gotten longer um I don't know if that's a budget element or whatever, you know, a lot of you know, I think as he brushed out in like Cure and Pulse which came in the late 90s, early 2000s he was really Mm -hmm. just graduating from the, the video circuit, so he was still I think you know, kind of thinking consciously of the idea of marketability, of, of kind right. of standardization, even when his films, even Charisma around that time is, is not. It's a very strange film, but it's still about an hour and 45 minutes, as now I recall. Creepy is
0: 130.
1: Yeah, so like Creepy, Journey to the Shore, uh, Daguerreotypes, you know, these are all over two hours. So, and he, he doesn't have any films over two hours prior to kind of the... I guess prior to like nearly 2010s, you know, and we're, we're jump ahead a lot, you know, kind of like the core, the core of what I think, I guess people talk about with, with Kurosawa is I can kind of sandwich between Cure and Retribution, which is like 97 to 2006, I think. Um, And that encompasses like Pulse and uh, Loft and a few other of, you know, his kind of very recognizably horror driven films. Um, and they're all, you know, they're they're all pretty standard. Loft is, I guess, is two hours long. That's probably his longest film out of that whole period. Um, but prior to that, everything is is, you know, very marketable, yeah. which which you know I I think makes sense. Particularly, Cure was the breakthrough, and I guess Cure, um, came at exactly the right time, and that I think also like American cinema was somewhat obsessed with serial killers in the late nineties, like right. Seven, particularly, right. you know, and and Cure in a lot of ways feels like like art house seven a better um, version <laughs> to, yeah largely yes a, a much subtler eerie not on the nose version of seven um yeah and it doesn't and, uh,
0: seem obsessed with itself like much of film uh fincher's filmography At yeah least to me it, it feels self-serving
1: so yeah yeah i mean i haven't seen i haven't seen seven in forever and seven like i recall it being you know it's an entertaining film but it's yeah. very it's very on the nose it's like you know cops and criminals are flip sides of the same coin it's like oh you don't say wow you know um cure has it has certain overlaps of like a mystical you know quasi-mystical serial killer a certain kind of a a grandiosity to the criminal plot it's not just you know this person ends up dead you know there's a specific Mm -hmm. there's a specific style of murder and a a mystery to it you know or kind of an audacity to it um but yeah but but it's so much more grounded and so, it was, so it's interesting that I think he marries very successfully in Cure and in some degree I'm kind of surprised that Cure is was as successful as it was. Yeah. Um because it's kind of a non-thrilling thriller. It's like he kind right. of he lets the air out of the film as it goes and so you know, the kind of the lack of tension weirdly introduces a new tension. There's a different kind of a tone to it which is kind of off Kind of puts audiences on the wrong foot, so it's it's interesting to me this idea. Then the late nineties, I think, like serial killers were coming up, and you know, I'm I'm trying to think of the other ones. Like I remember Identity. I think that came with just a little later, and these like most yeah, more just ass, just garbage, uh, like really bad Suspect films. Suspect Zero. Yes, you know, just really just oh terrible films with like and full of very recognizable kiss the girls doll. yeah and you're just wondering yeah morgan freeman has a lot of crimes he was in a lot of them
0: <laughs> but, um, <laughs> along came a spider yeah that's, yeah
1: and and it was kind of like um you know all of these films were you know very marketable saleable serial killer films and then cure comes along and it looks exactly the same in terms of its its how you'd sum it up you know if, if you were to describe the plot of Cure in a lot of cases you know it's, it sounds so like Seven or something mm-hmm. like that and then you know it, it, as it plays out it's just mostly it's people standing around in rooms being kind of sad you know we say it's like it's a man in a room with a table uh, it's yeah, it's a sure. you know it's a dilapidated parking lot or whatever that someone's found in you know it's it's a murder scene but the, the murderer is standing there to be found and hasn't a clue why they did it um, right. and you know which which elevates it much more you know that it goes the same way as seven in that seven is trying to aim for some kind of a social commentary sort of you know um in terms of that you know the the final downfall is the detective's downfall etc you know and there's a, 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 a what we say a unifying element there between criminal and law giver or whatever um, I'm rolling my <laughs> eyes as I sum up the, the uh, intricacies of the film. But Cure has very similar ideas, but it's not really like, uh, as much as so many of his films are about cops, they're about failed cops. Like, so many of his right. films start off with a failed cop. Uh, Cure is rare in that the cop actually keeps his job for the whole film. Um, several of his <laughs> films, like Retribution, um, I'm trying to think Charisma. Uh, with the, uh, creepy. Start off like uh, charisma and creepy both open with a hostage negotiator screwing up terribly right. and losing his job and having to enter the enter the workforce. Um, so so there's similar unifying elements, but there's a much more muted approach to where he's going, which is a broader mm-hmm. social responsibility than in cure. There's. You, a cure is almost like a, it's a serial killer that that decentralizes murder, which, you know, is an right. absurd conception. You know, a murder is committed by though. a person. It is, it's a really fascinating idea that you can, you know, spread a murder across, you know, kind of move it across multiple people unknowingly, unwittingly, uh, you know, kind of involved in it. And retribution as well. Just kind of, you know, this gentle marriage of social responsibilities um to bring to to bring forward conceptions of how we interact as a society it's, where we're yeah. maybe you know you know how, what we're doing um and you know, which
0: it's like decentralizing the threat of the ghost to like actually do something with it
1: yeah and, and exactly and that's why you know I talk about this like unthrilling thriller you know so many of his films have this kind of obviousness to you know there's no mystery it's not like seven had you know a big reveal of the serial killer a lot of plays have a chase and um, none oh, of I that i
0: recognize that actor yeah yeah right, there's, there's none right, of that
1: he, he, he even he even cuts the i recognize the actor by just consistently working with the same ones <laughs> <laughs> so you know at a, at a certain point you're just like oh it's koji Yakusha again he's in all yeah. of his films and, He's
0: he's even yeah. what what is it is it is it Loft? it might be Loft? Is that the one where he's in the beginning and then isn't in it again?
1: Is that the uh, uh, pulse has that where pulse, he's on the box. That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah he's yeah, at yeah. the pulse. beginning and the end. Which which okay, means yeah. some people um you know, some people think that pulse and cure and charisma all operate in the same shared world, that he's playing the same character. And it's hmm. I guess a a tribute to um Kurosawa's what he's actually what actually interests him that as far as I'm aware um though the character is the lead character in both cure and uh, charisma there's honestly not enough significant detail given to discern whether or not no. he is the same character or not he's just the protagonist right, right. um yeah so and it's it's again it just comes down to he he just reshapes his, his his ingredients in such a strange way that like pulse is a horror film and it's it's a film about it, it's almost instructive to compare Pulse. I you didn't watch the the Hollywood remake, did you? No. Uh, I, I kind not. of I kind of recommend it. Just in an I absolute, will, yeah. just a disaster, like absolutely. Because <laughs> you watch Pulse and you realize there's no way Hollywood would make this film, but right. they did. They bought the rights at the, the the height of the Japanese horror craze, and they were like, "We'll remake it." And you know, it's kind of like. Kurosawa's vision is a ghost story, but it turns into a kind of vision of how
0: lonely you know, of life. lonely
1: of loneliness and the idea that, like, honestly, you know, we have a lonely city, uh, you know, that echoes with kind of the the remembrances and the the life force of different people who have just been forgotten, who are just isolated, kind of trailed mm-hmm. away. You know, that's the film, and then we have the internet as suddenly this place where everyone can meet and greet and unify. the internet Remain will bring lonely. it yeah and and yeah like the the core of pulse that literally this new plane just exacerbates how utterly alone everyone is which is a really miserable uh conception but a really i must say it's the scariest
0: uh of the ones or, or i thought it was the spookiest of all of them which is not exactly a metric but um i i i definitely felt it, spooked most Yeah,
1: him. and I think it's definitely the one where he leans hardest into kind of standard Japanese horror tropes. Um, I would say between that and Cure. Cure is a film that I, I first watched Cure God, nearly like 15 years ago, I guess. And I thought, like, it's okay. And then I watched it like a second time a good few years ago again. And I was like, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's a little better than I remember it. And I was really watching it a third time, just like earlier this, you know, a couple of weeks back that it really clicked with me how you know good it is and interesting and also genuinely kind of creepy like it really Mm. is a very very eerie film um and and it's sort of you know kind of a lot of its eeriness comes from it's kind of the way that it vacillates between kind of empty stretches of of people just kind of hanging around trying to figure out what's going on and then these Mm -hmm. moments of just kind of action there are very tragic actions that no one can intervene with. I mean, several of the murders are just sort of, you know, and it totally, Let's like I say, I compared them to Bresson earlier. You know, there's one scene where a police officer murders another police officer, and they're just both standing there, you know, just right. hanging out, and he just kind of, like, he just methodically you know kind of goes and gets his gun on bottles and takes it out and just kind of just turns around and just casually shoots the guy and then he goes on about his business and it's such yeah. a strange
0: yeah I mean he's hip- they're hypnotized uh, which is like an interesting way to think about a lot of Brisson's characters is just like it's true uh, well, yeah I
1: mean Werner Herzog yeah. did it with Heart of Glass and I feel like that was maybe right. the you know the push to the ultimate Brisson experiment is the idea of, you know you want to remove the actor you want to remove the actor Expectations Impulses. of an actor. Yeah. yeah, and I, I suppose uh, Courtois was not interested in that. He doesn't want to remove the actor right. from it, but he is—he is not interested in embellishing. You know, you, you talked earlier like he works a lot in master shots and in long takes. You know, he's—he's he's just interested in just kind of framing so that the actor can move freely through. Um and he's he's very resourceful in how he does that. Um, you know, he, he to the point where so many of his films can just operate on these long takes. You know, I like feel, feel like I've have not really heard from his editors, but um, like I feel like his editors must have really easy job a lot of the time. Like his films, <laughs> his films just feel like they must just fall into place perfectly. Right um you know and maybe maybe that's the ultimate illusion maybe there's an awful right, lot right. going on but uh he you know they, they just have a very kind of strong logic pictorial logic to them
0: yeah i can't remember if i had come across anything when i was reading interviews or not but yeah I, I, so if you were going to if you were going to recommend again i want to bypass the two top the top the top two because they're so popular right um, if you were going to recommend a couple that were like you know if if you haven't seen this guy's work check these out
1: Yeah oh, and it's, it's an interesting one let me see now you know because I suppose honestly um retribution I think is a very solid starting point um although I feel like I almost feel like retribution is maybe you know what maybe I'll take that back because I feel like retribution is better watched once you've seen cure. So I'll probably go with Seance, I think is a really, ironically, his TV mm-hmm. movie, I think is a really great introduction in that it's a very self-contained narrative, um, very simply laid out, it is a, you know, it is a very strong narrative progression and linearity mm-hmm. to it, um, but it has, I think, really everything you, you tend to see in his ghost stories Um, in terms of the way that it, it marries kind of... Kind of mundane domesticity with some kind of a a, a kind of a, a what say a a la- I guess a loss. There's something. There's something missing from these people, and the supernatural manifests that. There's something, mm-hmm. you know, kind of pulled out that that needs. There's some kind of tension within it. Yeah, um yeah. So so you know, I think seance would be a really good one. I think creepy as well could be a really yeah. entertaining one because creepy is just. It's you just,
0: recognize a lot of the elements. There. Th-
1: there are, and creepy is also just a film where there's there, a lot happens in it. It's a very easy film to watch. Like mm-hmm. as much as I was a little daunted by the idea of like you know oh, it's two hour ten minute long film. Because I mean, because right. cure has a uh, cure, I think is a fantastic film, and I think I might pick it as you know my favorite of his films overall. But cure has a very kind of leaden pace to it. It's not boring, but it's not you know as we say, it's kind of like it's a very anti thriller thriller almost you yeah. know so the idea of like a, a film that's half an hour longer i'm kind of like w- how is that going to hold up but but creepy really sh- shakes things up by having a much more active storyline a lot more event a lot mm-hmm. more almost you know kind of funny conversations honestly it's it's a little it almost reminds me a little bit like a june ho bong film in terms of the way that people sure. interact in this like tremendously awkward fashion like everyone's just an alien and no one has any idea what anyone else is doing to the point. I mean, they meet their next door neighbors and someone say your worst, your worst nightmare that you move into a neighborhood <laughs> and you do the neighborly thing and you introduce yourself to the neighbors and they all basically scold you for annoying right. them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, then I, things I think, get worse from there.
0: I, I, I think that, uh, and kind of going back to what I was saying at the beginning about like sort of putting off these, uh, masterpieces with a lot of, um, with a lot hanging on them, um, I, I like like starting with creepy is something where uh, you get a taste of what else you can experience, um, and it's not the best. I, I I think it's it's definitely not sure uh, bad by any means. But you know you can get that and then be like oh there's there's more to experience you know. Whereas like if you start with cure, uh, it's a little bit reductive to say it, but there's only there's only <laughs> Down, it's it's only downward from there, which kind, can of, be kind of annoying.
1: Yeah, it's it's unusual. Like Cure is strange in that it's kind of the beginning of a phase of his work, but it also seems like a culmination of the same phase. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a strangely yeah, like kind of all encompassing work. And I don't want to, you know, I don't. If it's the only one you can access, I don't, you know, I don't think we should discourage people from jumping in there. Most people started with Cure on Kurosawa, sure, sure. So like it's workable, but like I say, I it really took me three. Viewings, even with a certain degree of familiarity with some of his other films, it really took me three three viewings to lockstep and kind of realize, um, kind of all the tensions within it that really kind of manifest in sequences of kind of you know very still sequences. There, there's mm-hmm. kind of and you start to realize how important and I and I guess when we watch some of his earlier films, um, like Serpent's Path, kind of really. Uh, you it know, kind of put, just made me that little bit more conscious of how his locations play into the drama, you know, and Ooh. I don't think, you know, you don't necessarily have to watch the earlier film, but I guess it's just something to bear in mind, I would say, is, you know, like consider how the locations play in and then Pulse really brings that to the forefront as well. i'm curious
0: about his yakuza films
1: yeah um i mean i've seen serpent's path and eyes of the spider which were two films he made pretty much back to back i i not uh, accounts vary between that he made both of them in two weeks or he made each of them in two weeks a piece back to back either way he made both of them very very quickly with mostly the same cast and they have identical storylines um, which I think makes them they're, they're if you can access them they're hard to find uh, in the UK uh, third window films who specialise in Japanese films they have both of them on a single DVD release and I think that's about the only place you can find them in you right. know physical copy that I'm aware of certainly with English subtitles. Um, they're they're really instructive films in terms of the fact that they are the same film on the surface down to you know cast and storyline. And then they are they diverge wildly in the final product. And I think that, you know, that's kind of an interesting experiment too for Kurosawa. Right. And I think that's why Kurosawa did it, was to kind of trap himself a little bit, you know, kind of I'm locked into the genre, I'm locked into the story. You know, both films are basically about a man whose daughter was horrifically murdered and he's seeking revenge against gangsters who did it. That's both films. They're both okay. nominally revenge films. But you say they they wildly diverge. Uh, Serpent's Path, which is, odd. Serpent's Path is generally considered to be the the better of them. I in most of the reviews I was reading the write ups, people preferred that one. And it's certainly it's a much more straightforward. Not quite straightforward. In its narrative it has a little twist in the tail that refigures things. But it's a much more kind of it's a revenge film. So it's dour and violent. Um. Eyes of the okay. spider is a, is strange because it's kind of like at the shaggy dog quality to it 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 huh. it's almost like a actually kind of reminds me a little bit of like a katano you know takeshi katano film um in that they kind of like you know it's sort of like it's a revenge film but also they just kind of go for a road trip in the middle you know because that, you know, that why kind not? of
0: reminds me uh, uh, it, I wonder that sounds a bit like um doppelganger too. Um, and doppelganger one. also has this weird like he starts playing with fragmentations in the in in the um frame where like the you know it'll start like tiling uh the screen and oh, doing these weird swipes and stuff Going Brian uh, it's interesting De <laughs> yeah 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 but um I could not
1: think of two directors, by the way, who have a more different general approach than Kurosawa (laughs) to Brian De Palma.
0: For sure, for sure. Yeah, one is uh, very horny, and the other one is seemingly not. (laughs)
1: Not For a guy who made a start in making softcore porno, yeah, there's not not a lot of horniness there. No.
0: So okay, I I feel like we covered him pretty well. Uh, so do you have anything to put over on this episode, Jack? I don't know if you prepared anything. Oh
1: no, I d I don't have anything I don't have anything prepared, but I'm trying trying to think. There's there's well, gotta be something. I can go. Go. go I go. can go
0: and, and you think of yours while I talk. Um uh, I I recently watched um uh the setup, uh a noir nineteen forty nine noir by Robert Wise because uh, Warner Archive uh just put out a new Blu ray of it. And um I thought that it looked really cool. Just the the cover. It's a boxing noir, um, which is a a sub genre uh, that I I, I want to watch more. But it's really terrific. And um, just looking at people's reviews that I follow on or ratings that I follow on Letterbox, it was kind of like the the what I got before I watched it was like oh the, this this will probably be decent but not great. But I ended up really finding it uh emotional and 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 it's it's uh fits into this um set of films about people who aren't old but feel like life is probably over (laughs) um which is uh when you're in your mid 30s is is a uh a, a little too a potent, close to the bow yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> and uh but also it's just like this it, it's this real-time noir and uh at the boxing stuff is so good it, it it really um is effective and unsurprisingly on the, there's an audio commentary with martin scorsese and uh who's very entertaining and knowledgeable about it but um uh, as i was hoping he talks about uh his experience um with this in his mind making raging bull and sort of the differences that he did um it, between like subjective and uh, objective camera uh just because he was like well i can't do that because they already did it like they already mastered like what that kind of boxing fight looks like yeah um and uh, so the the disc is really good but the film yeah it's 73 minutes what more can you ask it's just a real like um
1: man it's a lost art nowadays well <laughs> yeah
0: but it really is just like a non-stop thing and then it just ends exactly where you think it's gonna end like all good mars
1: <laughs> nice yeah, um as I think about it, you know a film that caught me off guard recently that I really liked um is Housekeeping by Bill Forsyth, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is um I think currently you can stream it on Amazon uh, as of right now, but uh, you can also pick it up elsewhere. There's a very nice Blu-ray in the UK from Indicator if you wish to indulge and in it's region free. Uh, if you just want a really nice quality edition with interviews and stuff, but and just a film I've really never heard anyone else talk about. Is it uh,
0: based on the Marilyn Robinson book?
1: I believe so. Yes, it, it's it's based on a book. I don't recall. I don't recall the author's name, but that that is probably correct. And yeah, it's a period film, but it's it's sort of a film about. As, as hokey as it sounds, I mean it kind of sounds like one of those you know well-behaved women seldom make history bumper stickers but <laughs> uh, you know if you would imagine that film very lovingly and interestingly created about kind of it's, it's about two young girls who are basically dropped off with their with their grandmother and their yeah, mother okay. their mother just, just commits suicide um and they so they're left with these old people they never really fit in with this town and then the their aunt comes to live with them and and kind of takes over parenting or parenting responsibilities and her aunt their aunt is a very you know unusual woman she just she doesn't really she marches to the beat of her own drum etc but it's just a wonderful film about i guess being comfortable in your own skin and it's a very kind of You know when those films that just sort of has like it just feels like a a nice sweater you know you just put Mm -hmm. it on it's just a comfortable lovely space Um, just beautiful little period details little gestures to the actors it just feels like just such a wonderfully kind of (laughs) authentic film. Uh, and yeah i'm i i just kind of it's one of the films that i've watched and i kind of i just feel like i you know any given weekend i'm like should i just watch this again you know just sure. just live through it again so yeah i think that's
0: that's the way people talk about robinson's books she she's written i think four now but she wrote uh three she kind of had a, a malikian uh trajectory where she wrote three um within a close enough space and then i think came out with one much later but right. um where like her prose is just sort of like beautiful but not deterministic yeah um and know. i and
1: i can see that and uh, you know i there was an interview on the, the the indicator disc which i mentioned with the author and i mean she she seemed to have this very she and you know she was very fond of the film adaptation too so i think oh, cool. you know it's a very a very successful adaptation and it kind of it just makes me yeah, it makes me want to watch more films like Bill Forsyth. Obviously, and Local Hero is now available from Criterion, so that's very handy. I've that's a film I've been meaning to watch for it's literally. American? He's he's Scottish. Okay. So the, uh, Housekeeping was actually his first American film. Um, but yeah, it, it's just it's like I say, just a really warm love. I kind of compare it almost to like Little Little Women, you know, the kind of Gillian Armstrong's mm-hmm. adaptation. In that, it's just it's. You know, in any in so many people's hands, it could turn into just kind of a treacly mess. Sure, but you know, it's it's one of those films that's very warm and and kind of accepting, but isn't simplistic, isn't you say deterministic, isn't you know kind of like it. It basically it doesn't it's not it doesn't it chooses not to dwell in cynicism, but it also doesn't ignore actual real world kind of conditions which is surprisingly difficult to find in a lot of ways you wonder you, sure. know, you either end up with films that are like grim uh, kind of anarchic stuff or else just you know lifetime movies um, mm-hmm. we could do with more of the mid-ground
0: cool uh, I'll, I'll check those out um uh, both of both local hero and housekeeping but um all right well uh where can the people find you jack
1: uh, i can be found on twitter all too easily at real jack eason <laughs> i spent oh, why, why do i go ruins your brain stay off twitter kids um but yeah you you can find me there shoot me a message let me know what you think and uh, i will probably respond because that's just the sort of thing i'm likely to do
0: <laughs> and you can find me at letterbox at sean glennis um all right, well, thanks for talking to me, Jack. Um, and uh, I, I think Steve would probably want me to like tell you to do other stuff, but we're going to skip that because uh, in the parents' away, something, something, uh, kids will play. Um,
1: that's it. We've got busy busy doing important stuff.
0: That's right. All right. <laughs> well, until next episode, uh, see you later. All right. <laughs>